0: You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles.
1: Like my story is that my parents, they're big, you know, gamblers and uh, my dad's a recovering alcoholic as well. Uh, He has about 25 years and I have an older brother that has an addiction problem, alcoholic, you know, and I grew up in this lifestyle my whole life, so I never really knew what was right and wrong and I didn't want to accept anything.
0: My guest today is named Leanne Valani. She is the host of the podcast, Be You Full Mind. Welcome to the show.
1: What's up? How's it going? This is uh, Leanne Villani. I'm a positive mind shift life coach and I help people unlock their doors in human amount of success. I'm also a podcaster on all your favorite music platforms and it is available on Apple, Google, Spotify. And I'm here to just speak my story of strength and hope of becoming the best person I could possibly be through uh, the 12-step program.
0: Awesome. I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time, Brett.
0: Let's dive into a little bit of the backstory. Let's get into your addiction, what that looked like and then how you got to recovery and and go from there.
1: Yeah, let's do it. This is awesome. Uh, so actually I just spoke yesterday too at a meeting. So this is great. Uh, I feel like I'm in service, you know all the 12 steps. Uh, so I started drinking when I was uh, what was I in ninth grade, man, and I was drinking a four loco fruit punch at my first party and i'm very small I'm like 110 pounds so think about me when i was what 15 16 years old i drank that and it felt amazing like i literally had probably three sips of it and i was like i'm drunk you know and uh i love the euphoria and then you know as i went through this thing called life i hated being myself you know i'm gay right you know i'm gay so trying to even morph my identity in the mix of that confused trying to fit in with people i was a a college softball player too as well and i played every single sport so in the mix of that being 16 15 years old i was still playing sports drinking i just got my first dose of alcohol and i loved it and um ever since then that's what i chased for uh, do you want me to go dive you want me to dive really deep like my whole story or just give you a little intro right here
0: however you want to do it go for it, it
1: gets bad yeah it gets very bad <laughs> so yeah let's do it um Yeah. So, you know, I really love the feeling. And 16 when I was 16 years old, we had those sweet 16 days and uh, I would drink Bacardi Dragonberry and a personal bottle to myself and I would drink the whole thing. That was the goal. You know, I had one I had one mission was to get as drunk as possible and not to be myself. Uh, And I also started to collect the bottles in my closet and I was counting them like that was a prideful thing. Like, you know, I had to have a lot of them in my closet because I thought that was cool. Uh, You know, and that's what I chased for. And in that moment, I didn't know I had any problems. I just knew that I loved to drink with my friends. You know, I thought it was normal. Then uh, we take it, you know, things got a little bit mm, not so bad, but I was playing college softball. I went to Fredonia, upstate New York. And... You know, I, I had to get drug tested, so I started to get involved in weed. Now I'm talking about this now, and it makes more sense because, you know, as you speak your story, you learn more things about yourself. Um, you know, we used to roll up blunts after we were playing games, you know, playing college softball, and that's what I looked for because I couldn't really drink. I always had practice and shit, and I, I couldn't really drink. It was always something, so we smoked, and it was a D3 school, and I loved it. I would smoke like five blunts to the face of my friends. That was what I liked. And that's when weed really came, a part of my story. Then uh, I was like, you know, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of Fredonia. I'm going to go to Oneonta, Estonia, biggest party school. Went there, transferred, and my life changed. Uh, I loved the college. It was the biggest party school. But I was also a transfer. A lot of people from Long Island went there. But, you know, I had to, I had to find out new people. Like, you know, I had to fit in now. And at this point, too, I was smoking a lot of pot. I was dealing pot. I was bringing bongs. You know, I was setting myself up for success in, in my journey of school. You know, as long as I'm making money, getting good grades, everything's good. So I was the dealer, the newbie. And, um, you know, ever since then, I had a friend that was from home, went to Oneonta. So I linked up with her. And that was it. Like, I started to become a part of them. They were drinking every day. So was I. I loved it. That's what I, I chased that because I needed it for my ego. I couldn't be myself. I hated, I hated being myself on my skin because it was uncomfortable. And I always wanted to get out of my skin. I just want to take a pause for this because my Like, my story is that my parents, they're big, you know, gamblers, and uh, my dad's a recovering alcoholic as well. Uh, He has about 25 years, and I have an older brother that has an addiction problem, alcoholic, you know. And I grew up in this lifestyle my whole life, so I never really knew what was right and wrong, and I didn't want to accept anything. Uh, So, as I was going through school and college I was being I was alone you know mommy and daddy weren't there and I started to feel like myself when I took up that when I took that first sip of a drink and I kept doing it and my goal was to get blacked out I couldn't just have one that wasn't the goal man it was really to get fucked up and I loved it because I wasn't me and I was able to talk to people I was able to conversate I was able to be liked I had this ego-driven self I was getting involved you know who's next which girl and what person could I make the next sale and um, it started to progress and I didn't go to orientation that, that first time when I was uh, up there at Oneonta because I wanted to smoke pot that day. And. You know, looking back to it, that was messed up. So my life was always unmanageable at that point. But then, you know, things just started to progress. People started to know me, love me, and I started to do really bad things. I started to hurt people around me. I started to lose a lot of friends, started to get in fights. Um, I didn't have control over it because it was part of the environment I was in to succeed. I was getting straight A's. I was the president of my college. You know, um, I went to school to be a teacher. So I had it all right on paper, but this was normal. Then as I went to... Uh, you know, I was a senior, I last shot, you know, gotta go big, uh, you know, things just started to become bad. I was drinking every day, uh, not before class though. Right when I got out of class, I would do, I would work my ass off in the library, get my grades and my reward was always a drink and it, that was it. So that was a habit. It, it was a habit from really sophomore year college to senior year. So then when I came home from college, which was in 2019, May, um, my life really, It was just crazy. I had to be underneath my parents' roof, and I didn't want to stop partying. I was going to local bars, I was was becoming a townie. I was getting involved with people that I shouldn't be around. My safety was definitely, uh, you know, uh, it was jeopardized. And I needed to go to the bar, I realized, for validation, because I didn't have that when I was a kid, nor do I have it today. As I was building a successful, like, you know, business and podcasting and I was speaking to people now, you know, I started this podcast in my college dorm and it blew up and now I have about 19,000 listeners, almost 20, and I'm speaking about being the best version you could possibly be. And I wasn't walking the talk as much because I had these demons inside. Um, And, you know, it started to become bad because when I was home, I didn't want to ever be myself. I I was hurting my family. Uh, I was lying. I was jumping out of my window. I was doing things that were not okay. I would sleep in my car just because I didn't want to go home. I was having people go into my car to, to go to AA meetings. And my dad gave me my first book when I was 21 years old because I obviously saw a problem. Uh, and um gave me my first book when I was 21. And I went to a meeting, and it was dark, dreary basement because we went because of my brother. And it wasn't for me, but I went because I, my dad already gave me the book. You know, he's obviously hinting something. And I was 21, and again, I didn't want to... I didn't want to accept anything because I wanted to keep drinking and I was too young to stop and it kept going in the last eight months of leading up to today as I'm four months sober, almost five, um, really what changed, I had a bunch of psych changes and I realized that I was running a business and working with people uh, over Zoom, right? And I was making payments to them and I didn't even remember. I had to pick up a drink to make conversations in business. I have all these motivations, right? All these dreams. And I think I thought that I needed a drink to still have those dreams. I had fear of success. I had fear of being me. Like that was the number one thing. As I'm speaking to the world about be you, be full, have a beautiful mind. And I had, I struggled with that. And that's really why I would drink is because I hated being me. And that's like such a sad thing. I had no self-love, but I had a higher power always. And I remember like, you know, uh, I went to Atlantic City in New Jersey And I went to the Harris Pool Party, and this guy raped me. And then, you know, I'm gay, so like, you know, it wasn't, you know, having a kid wasn't a thing for me. Like, I thought, and this happened. This changed my world, and I neglected it. And um, I had to pay the consequences. And my dad said to me, "Uh, if you were drinking, do you think this would happen?" And I said, "No." And it was. It scared. It scared the shit out of me because this was. It was scary. I didn't even realize that. You know, because of my drinking, and ever since then, uh, I said to myself, I never want to be in a situation where my life is truly on the line, and I was powerless over this man, and um I truly had to pay for the co- consequences. And I would, I would pray to Jesus and God, you know, for it to be sober, and it was never happening. I, but I could tell you this is, I kept going back to AA. I kept going back. So my dad told me this one thing. He said, Leanne, uh, when I was in the rooms, because uh, he does not really go anymore, but he goes when I was in the rooms, there was this guy and he would go every single day, every single day for 25 years until it worked. And one day he was able to, st- to be sober. And that I never I never realized moved me in my sobriety and starting this journey to recovery was because I would get drunk. I would still, right? So after that all happened, all that stuff happened, I still went out to the bar and I just kept getting these psych changes because I kept showing up to AA and I it worked. And I always thought that the people around me in AA when I would go in those basements it was uh like you guys were lying to me and um that's not the truth but I kept coming back and they always say keep coming back keep coming back and I did even when I relapsed because relapse is part of my story and I love that it is because I kept coming back till it, it clicked um and I did and then all of a sudden I started to work the program and I was not I've accepted that I was powerless because my first sponsor said to me, read the fir- read this first, uh, I think it was page like 30. That one resonates with me. And he, she's like, read this and underline all the things you identify with and write me. I counted up like 52 things. And um, to this day, I admitted that I was powerless and I had a problem. And now I walk the journey of recovery and I went sober. And my life has been nothing but blessings, peace, and love. And I love myself today because of the program. And um, it's just, I sometimes think that I can't believe I deserve this life because it's so it's so beautiful and they say like working the program it gives you a life to live because if I don't it's life or death and I will die because my drinking was getting that bad because of my emotions and feelings because I used to drink to feel so that's really my story is it's it's really I I thrive in chaos and I hated myself and I had to learn to love myself all over again well truly for the first time and here I am today sober so that is my story thus far.
0: I love that message of keep coming back because I have a similar story where I went into the rooms, would go back out, just like constantly relapsing for two years, probably. But there's something that happens going to enough meetings. It's like some of the information starts to get through. And then like, as I'm using, I'm hearing like the cliches in the rooms and like some of the things that I've heard in meetings. And it's like that kind of starts to get into your brain and then it's like, man, this isn't as much fun as I remember it being. And it kind of, kind of screws, kind of screws everything up.
1: It's true. You get guilty and stuff when you go back out, which is a good thing. Cause that's really what they say. It works. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, like what I could say is that my last part of what really woke me up was that I went to the bar. Cause I think I've relapsed like three times. I would literally go to the AA meetings, dude. And I would, open up a white claw and i would drink it and i would stare at it shit i would you know have the game with it but i never picked up the phone it, like you know they say don't pick up the first drink like, that's it game over cuz it's never won and that's a fact but the last time i i was i was fucking in the woods dude and i i wasn't really into drugs cuz i watched my brother do drugs my whole life you know And the only thing I was in was weed. I did a little bit of coke here when I was, you know, in college. But I was in the woods with this guy. And I was smoking, like, a joint with, like, coke on it. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't do this. It's a crack or something. I was like, what? And ever since then, I'm sober. Because, like, that's not me. And that wasn't me. I remember, too, looking at myself in the mirror, dude, touching myself, like, in the chest at my heart. And I was like, I don't feel anything. I didn't even know who I was. It was that scary. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror for like eight months, eight months. And then ever since then, I, uh, you know, I went through three different sponsors and, um, ever since then, my sponsor today, we vibe, right? We vibe. You vibe at your sponsor?
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: That's what changed my life is that like the, the sponsor, the good sponsors.
0: Yeah. It took me a couple tries as well to find somebody that I clicked with and yeah, it took a couple tries.
1: It's so important because the other two people, I didn't pick up the phone and call them. And now today I want to call my sponsor. And if I don't, dude, I catch some twos, resentments. I catch, um, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to handle life because then I'm not working the program in in my daily life.
0: I'd love to hear some more about, it's uh, what, BU Full Mind? Is that what it's called?
1: Yeah, it's called BU Full Mind. Yeah, you want to know about it?
0: (laughs) I would love to hear more about it.
1: Yeah, sweet. So, I started this in college, right? Uh, I got this God consciousness. I'm very connected with my higher power. Um, Mine is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't know, I'm very, too, very intuitive. So, I could feel people's auras, er energies very quickly, like right away, even through a voice, phone call, um, a photograph. So, um, I was in college, woke up, and the first thing that came to me was be you to full mind. Then I went out, did my thing, and ignored it. Again, Next day, woke up, same thing. Be beautiful mind. Again, next day, and then I said it again, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper. After I let go a really bad uh, toxic human being in my life, and I wrote it down, picked up a microphone, and I started to speak with Xbox headphones. And I, my goal was this: is beautiful mind is an acronym that truly transformed my life. Because during my process of recovery, I kept, I kept talking and speaking because I had a purpose. People started to listen to me. So be youful mind is the first step of self-love is to be you, right? Be you. You have to be yourself. Second step is to be full because then you're full as a human being. Once you're you, you're full. You're able to be you and walk with you with conviction, confidence. Be you and then have a be youful mind, right? Be mind. You're able to see this thing called life as a beautiful self everything looks beautiful because you're walking the true you read it backwards mindful you be that's where the peace and love and harmony groundness comes so then I LLC'd it and I started a business and um, now people around this world are getting inspired by my words of becoming the best person that they could possibly be and uh, I started to do a life coaching a positive mind shift life coaching because I uh, actually transformed I shifted my ideology my thinking process so I've I used the law of attraction uh, in my coaching. And I've been helping a lot of people harness their greatness inside of them, whether that be anxiety, uh, they don't have a sense of direction in their spiritual life, anything, a business idea that they don't know where to start. And I started it and it's been written down for years. And uh, now I'm moving into action. And I never realized how much I'm truly inspiring people because I always have to be reminded because you get lost in the work.
0: I saw it in writing and then I was reading it out loud and I was like, it's kind of like a play on words. It sounds like beautiful mind, yeah. but it's be you full mind. And it it's like, uh, that's why I kind of stumbled over it when I first asked the question. Cause I was like, uh, I want to make sure I say this right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, th- that's cool.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. That's just a pure example of, you know, listening to your gut and not allowing an idea to just slip away. Cause one idea can change your life. And because of that idea, I'm able to expand now different things. I've been connecting with a lot of people because of it. And, um, you know, you got to start somewhere. And I've learned that because of what I've created uh, is because of God. And now I can tell you that I've experienced a lot of loss in my life that now that I'm sober, there's so much blessings that are coming and I'm actually walking and living a beautiful mind, mindful you be. And I'm truly inspiring all ages, dude. It's not just like people my age. I'm I'm coaching women that are, you know, 40 to 50 years old. I'm coaching people, men, women. I'm coaching all ages and that's powerful cause it's just, I, you know, I, I can't believe I deserve this and I have the ability to do it cause I do, you know, it's a God-given gift.
0: This might kind of be off, off base. And if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. I'll um,
1: answer it. Come on. Odyssey's key. <laughs> <laughs> have
0: you, have you found it difficult in recovery to, to be a lesbian and, and do that whole thing? Cause one of my best friends, she's a lesbian. And I know in the beginning, like she found it difficult with finding a sponsor and, she started off with a guy, and then they didn't really vibe, and me then she too, went yeah. with a lady. And so I know it can be kind of tricky. So have you f- have you found any kind of difficulties with that? or
1: That's funny, yo. yeah. Yeah,
0: because, I mean, I know like we're supposed to be inclusive, and it doesn't matter, like, age, race, sexual identity, creed, religion. But I know people still have biases, and people can be assholes. So yeah, they that's are That's kind ass- of my was... question. Yeah, for sure. Well,
1: let me just tell you something. It's funny, because my first sponsor was a dude, too. And I was like, I only vibe with dudes because I grew up with all boys. So I was like, I right, I need a dude. And then, um, you know, I had a girl, uh, and then I have a girl today. However, what I could say is this is, whatever energy I put out is what's gonna come right back to me. So if I'm not being accepting of the people around me and just willing to ask, uh, I don't find it difficult. When I make it difficult, it's because I'm I'm not I'm allowing fear. I had to get in my way of my recovery. Uh, however, I could tell you that I've been going to, you know, with these Zoom meetings, man, I could, we could all go on Zoom meetings at any time we want. Like if I need a meeting at 3.15 and it's 3.05, there's one out there. So I've been looking up LGBTQ plus uh, groups and I actually really like it. It's not difficult. Nothing's, it's not difficult at all unless I make it difficult. But there is so many groups online that have an all exclusive, uh, you know, just for, gay people, lesbian people, and LGBTQ. And I would definitely suggest that if anybody's listening to this, that they should tap into that because you know, it's a different share. People are sharing from, you know, their husband to husband, wife to wife, or whatever they're going through. And I was able to relate a little bit better. So there's no biases unless um, you know, you there is of other people, but you should know that you don't want that part of your, you know, sobriety because it could really affect you. It could cause you to pick up.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of those things that we would refer to as an outside issue. The same thing, like, I don't go up to somebody in the room and ask, who did you vote for? Or what religion do you practice? It doesn't matter. You know, I'm here for recovery. I don't care what you do when you leave the rooms. That doesn't matter. And if I have that closed mind of like, oh, we think differently, I might not hear the message that I need that could save my ass. Like, it's important for me to stay open-minded and those other things don't matter.
1: Dude, I feel like that's just an ego thing. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's a great point of what you said because what was I going to say? Uh, something just came to my mind. Oh, you know, when the whole with the politics thing, like the goal is literally recovery. And also another thing is I remember I hear a lot of older people say, even to this day, some people come to this is like, say they talk about a drug in the room, you know, part of their story, then, you know, if it's part of your story, it's part of your story. They're there for alcohol, it doesn't matter, you know. So I just feel like people got to put their their, um, their ego and their thoughts and their beliefs aside and just look at this as a recovery and we're helping another alcoholic, another, you know, addict.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's one of the things I love about my home group is like, we're like, we're all kinds of different people, different backgrounds, different races, different religions, all kinds of stuff. But we all come together for an hour a day and we talk about recovery. You know, we're not worried about all that other outside stuff. And man, I've met people I've talked about it on the podcast before, like one of the guys that I've gotten closest to, he's 65, you know, I would have probably never met somebody that's, you know, 30 (laughs) plus years older than me. And, you know, we talk on the phone all the time. Like we hang out outside of meetings. Like that probably, that probably wouldn't have happened if, you know, in normal life, but by going into it with an open mind and not, not trying to judge anybody, not trying to to figure out who they are just go in there and, and listen with an open mind like it's amazing the different people we can meet and how big of a role they can play in our lives.
1: That's great cuz I actually have a question for you. My biggest thing that I'm having uh, a problem with, not a, well, I'm making it a problem, is allowing people into my life and looking at people in AA as friends rather mm-hmm. than just AA people. You know, like I I'm very open Right, as a human being outside of AA, but obviously this is about me, and my recovery. But I noticed that I relate to what you say because I vibe with older people, and mm-hmm. you know, older the women. However, what is your do you have any advice or suggestions when it comes to you know, I have a home group, I have that, my girlfriend's in the program, she's three years. What you got any advice or tips about making some friends and just doing it and just calling? Like, I don't know.
0: Man, for me I think the biggest thing is just trying to get involved, like grab a cup of coffee, go to dinner after a meeting, like just do something outside of the rooms to kind of, I guess, break the ice. Um, That's kind of been my experience. Like for the longest time before the pandemic, we had a standing thing. Like every Friday night after the meeting, a group of us would go to Waffle House and we'd sit up there for hours and drink coffee and just hang out. So yeah, my advice would just be to try to hang out with people outside of the meetings and um, you know, we, like my group, we have like a group, uh, group chat. So we'll like send each yeah. other messages and stuff throughout the day. And
1: I used to have that. I know I used to have that with this with this other group of people, but I realized like, I know I, I used to have like a really big group of, you know, young people and it just wasn't, they didn't, their sobriety wasn't the sobriety I wanted. It wasn't personal because I like the older women. I think like what you're saying is, you know, I just have to get those numbers and call the, the right people and get that group, even if it's older people that we're all got the common problem. And I, I realized that I was able to to decipher what I want and what I want my recovery to look like what type of people because I realized like with younger people, even though they had three years, four years, their recovery didn't look like my their sobriety didn't look like the one that I wanted, you know, so I had to tap in a different source and go to different meetings. So I'm really learning to pick up the phone and, you know, just talk, just be myself and it's okay, right?
0: Yeah, and that's that's another suggestion I would give to anybody. And that's kind of how I went through finding a sponsor is I found somebody that had what I wanted. I saw the kind of life that he lived. I saw the his character and how he handled himself in different situations. And so it's like, okay, if I want to be more like him, then I need to hang out with him more and figure out like why he behaves the way he does, how how he handles difficult situations. So I would say the same thing in friendship, you know? I wanna I wanna pick my friends based on like how they behave, and the best way to do that is to hang out outside of the meetings, because I can come into the meeting and I can quote out of the book and I can share all flowery and and beautiful and and good and and be a good, good and be a, yeah, and be a good person for an hour. But what happens when I lose my job or my wife leaves me or? Somebody in my family dies. Like, I want to know what, how people handle those kind of situations. Cause I can be, I can be the best person you've ever seen for an hour.
1: Yeah. It's facts. Yeah. But you know, that's the thing too. I'm learning to feel, I used to drink to, to feel cold, quote, quote but I was actually drinking not to feel mm-hmm. and to get out of myself. And I noticed like now being where I'm at in my journey that a lot of, you know, fucked up things happen because my brother is still an active addict, alcoholic, and I live with it, you know? And my grandma's sick, and I remember this woman telling me when I first started coming around. She said to me, "My life, I I don't have a home, I'm homeless, I don't have a job, uh, and my life is really, you know, I I, I don't have anywhere to go. Like, right? It looks like rock bottom." She said, "She said it's rock bottom, but I'm not gonna pick up a drink over it." And That really hit me because I realized, like, no matter what, like, I don't have to pick up a drink if. If I choose to live the principles, you know, and do the right thing. And that really hits me because I'm feeling emotions. I'm crying, like, authentically. I don't need something in my body to make me cry anymore. Because behind, I was always taught, dude, that my mom, my mom, like, still drinks to this day, right? And she'll come home and then she'll talk, tell me she loves me, or like, that something that she's resentful to me that she's been neglecting to tell me is only when she's drinking so I was taught my whole life to not speak your feelings that everything's okay and to drink to feel and to have that conversation but today I don't have to live like that and now my grandma's like really sick and I pray for her and you know what I I have a lot of fear but that fear used to cause me to drink and I don't have to do that today you know I'm I'm learning to accept like that she's sick and that's what the program is trying to you know is trying to wake me up in because it's hard. It's hard to accept things that we can't control. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely struggled with the whole aspect of powerlessness for uh, probably longer than I should have. But, I mean, it makes sense. Like, we come in the rooms and, I mean, I I I guess there's kind of two camps. There's some people that come in and they can look at the wreckage of their life and they can see that their life, that they are powerless over their life. And there's other people that come in. Uh, that kind of had the mindset that I had of like, I'm in control. I'm, I'm my own God. Like I, I control my mm. own destiny type mindset.
1: Mm, shit.
0: So I think there's two different camps, but yeah, I struggled with that powerlessness cause I didn't want to admit that I didn't want to see just how little control I have. And so that for me, that was one of the biggest things. And that's one of the things that my sponsor hammered on in the very beginning was powerlessness and then unrealistic expectations because I would constantly put all these yes. expectations on other people oh
1: my and God. then
0: they don't act the way that I think they should act. And now all of a sudden I'm pissed off at you and you don't know why I'm pissed off at you, but I had this idea in my head that you're going to act this way and you didn't. And so now I'm mad because you didn't do what I thought you should do.
1: Yes, that's huge. That's huge. And it leads us to disappointment anyways. And and we're always so fucking pissed anyways at them. It's so funny you see that because that's a huge part that I've worked on with my family is for my own sake of with my success and where I'm at. They don't give me the validation. Like, you know what I mean? I, we, always, we always seek that. And I've learned not to expect anything. And my relationship with them has mended through time because I still have things on my forward step I got to deal with them. But today, things are a little bit more better and um, I'm praying for compassion for that because I can't control them and I can't expect anything except for me to, you know, say good job, Leanne, for me. Because if we do, then we're fucked.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. At the end, I like to let the guests just share whatever's on their heart.
1: You know, if there's anything that I want anybody to know is that if you're in the beginning part of your recovery, if you're just, you know, you're you're working the steps, wherever you are, whatever you're doing – you know, realize that there is support out there and that you're not alone because when we think that we're alone, things get dark and there's people out there that are willing to take your hand and and walk with you. And I'm learning that every day. And because of AA, I'm able to live a sober, true life and, and you know, own my part. And life is beautiful today. And uh, because of this life that I'm living free, I'm able to be the best version I could possibly be. And that takes work every day and prayer meditation and conversations like this, Brett. And I want to thank you for having me on this show. Cause it's the first time I'm actually talking about my experience of recovery. So I really appreciate you taking the time out.
0: I really appreciate you being on the show. It was great. I feel like we vibed and it was a great conversation.
1: Yeah. We attracted each other, dude.
0: <laughs> well, would you like to tell the listeners how they can find you the name of your podcast, social media, any of that kind of stuff?
1: Let's do it. So you guys can find me, uh, It's called Be You Full Mime. It will be on the show notes below. However, it is on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google. And also, if you're interested in manifesting the life you truly deserve, I am offering a free one-hour deep dive session with me. You pick the time. and We just call and we chat about you. At the end of the day, I'm only here to be in service with Significance. And I also will be launching January 1st, 2021, a uh, Keys to Manifesting the True You for 2021. All the tickets, I think it's about $15 and it's two hours. Keynote speakers from all around the world and they will truly give you keys to how you can maximize and use a toolbox for your daily living because at the end of the day, we need tools to survive and that's why I am going to hold that event is to spread the message of peace, love and just tranquility and self-love. So that's it for me.
0: Leanne, thank you again for being on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure. Be sure to check out her podcast, Be You Full Mind, on all major podcast platforms. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.